This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, see him really, the big see him. For those of you who participated for 12 weeks, call a kavod to all of you. Those of you who didn't participate, you came to hear every wild scene anyway, and that's amazing. I really have to say that it's been an unbelievable experience for me the last six, seven weeks. We've had Nasev and Ishma for six weeks. The turnout this year was way, way more than we ever, ever had. The desire to learn and to grow is, I think, indicative of the kind of students that Baruch Hashem we all teach, meaning all of you have a desire to become bigger people. No matter what struggles you're going through, no matter what's going on in your life, at the end of the day, you have a neshama. Your neshama is a diamond, and it's always trying to shine more, to be clean and to shine. And that happens by coming to the programs that we run for you and being genuinely interested in making a change in your life. Um, that's to your credit. You know, we try our best as teachers to instill important things into you and Yerushalayim and Hashkafa and all kinds of good things. But at the end of the day, the work is yours. And when I look around this room and I see so many of you that have come out at 7 o'clock at night, the seventh week in a row, right? I say like, wow, I'm humbled to be your teacher. I really do feel that it's, it's a schuss. It's supposed to teach girls who so strongly want to become bigger people. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Um, Rabbi Wallstein, I'm not really sure what kind of introduction I, I, I could give. Rabbi Wallstein, you all know who Rabbi Wallstein is. A mashpia, not only for Arnava, but all over the world, going all over the world. Total self-sacrifice for the cloud, for, for bringing about a greater recognition of the greatness of who we are as the Amman of Hashem. Um, and thank you for coming and really putting yourself out for my girls. Thank you very much. I apologize for being late. Um, actually, a lot of stuff came up today and I was going to cancel. Um, but then I heard that you learned Let There Be Rain. So I said, I have to have a cross the toe that they learn let there be rain. That's what I'm talking about. So, okay. So I want to talk about our cross the toe. The basis, pretty much the basis of everything. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is very makhid. Very makhid in HaKadosh the toe. How do we know that from Shavuos? Because it says that you're not allowed to marry, the Torah says you're not allowed to marry a Moabi. And the reason the Torah gives that you're not allowed to marry a Moabi is two reasons. One reason, because when Klai Yisrael left Mitzrayim and went past Moab, we asked them to give us food and water. Just food and water, we didn't ask for anything else. And they said no. And we were very hungry and we were very thirsty at that point. And the Torah tells us that being that Avraham Avinu saved Lot by the four kings, there would have been no Moab. Moab was the son of Lot. There would have been no Moab if it wasn't for Avraham Avinu. So as Hakaras Hatov, we saved their grandfather, they wouldn't exist. The least they could have done was give us to eat. So they were kafoy toy, ingrate, ingrateful. The second reason, they were extremely immoral. And 24,000 Jewish men died because of their immorality. 
But the interesting thing is that in the Torah, the number one reason is they didn't give us to eat. And the number two reason is that they were immoral. What's worse? Gilead Royas and 24,000 Jewish men died? Or not giving someone a little bread and water? The Torah says it's worse not to have a curse of time. And therefore, you cannot marry a Moabi, which is a man. Can you marry a Moabis? Can you marry... But the bottom line is, the reason that... Now, someone from Amalek supposed to wipe out Amalek, right? Someone from Amalek. Someone from Mitzrayim. Somebody from Mitzrayim can become a Jew. But somebody from Moab, a man from Moab, cannot become a Jew. Because even though the Mitzrayim killed us, made us slaves, took children and threw them into the Nile River, they weren't kafli type. Amalek, as bad as they are, they weren't kafli tongue. They weren't ingrates. Hashem said, I don't want that midah in my children. So we see that you could be an Amaleki, you could be a Mitri, and you could become a Jew. But if you're from Moab, and we asked you for bread and water, and you didn't give us, even though we saved your great-grandfather... Hashem doesn't want any part of that. Very mocked and I'm going to I'm going to read you where this all begins. I, you learned the you learned the sefer, so you pretty much know what I'm about to say. But very important. This all be, this all begins in Pasha's Voracious. Two things happen in Pasha's Voracious. So it says the following: Hashem created the world, of course, and we know. Do you want to read you from inside? It says the following on the third day. The third day. Bayam Alakim. Hatche Oretz Desha. The land should give out grass, vegetation. Aesir Mazria Zera. Eight free trees. Trees are multiplied. That's what Hashem said. And in Pussycat Bays. If I say, oh, it's it happened. The ground gave out vegetation. Asaph, grass, must be a zera, things that grow. Asaphri, fruit trees. Okay? So if you ask somebody, when were trees, vegetation, vegetables, fruits created? Third day. Everybody knows that. Every little kid in first grade, not first grade, but every little kid pretty much knows it. Now, later on, in Pasik Dalit after Shabbos, Ela told us that Shemayim Boris, Yibaram, the Chosiach Hasada, all the vegetation that grows in the field, Terem Yibaram was not there yet. What do you mean? You just told me on the third day it was there. It says it was there. Now you're telling me the opposite. You're telling me. It was not there. Because it didn't rain. And there was nobody to work the ground. Question number one. You just told me on the third day it grew. Now you're telling me nothing grew. 
Number two, what do you mean there was no person to work the ground? Before Adam ate from the tree, we weren't supposed to work. That was a curse. What kind of work? So, this bothers Rashi. So let's go to Rashi, because first you tell me it is created, then you tell me it's not created. Pasuk hey. And he says the following. The grass did not grow. But on the third day it says, right, that it did grow. It says Rashi, very interesting. It grew till the surface, but it didn't break the surface. So there were trees and grass and plants and flowers all grew underground. But it never broke the surface. So if you if you looked across the world, it looked like a desert. But it did grow. But it grew underground. What happened? Hashem was waiting, Himta, right? Because at that point it hadn't rained yet. And therefore, there was no one to daven for rain. Because you needed to have rain to make things grow. Hashem wanted the connection of the person to pray for rain so things should grow. And the measure says that Adam, Avoida is we know Tfilah, Avoida is Tfilah, Avoida is Karbanas and Tfilah, and there was no human being in the world yet to pray to Akkad Baruch Hu, so he waited. Adam looked at the world and it was a desert, so he prayed for rain, and the minute the water hit the ground, everything everything came out of the ground in one second. So it's not like after the rain, things start to grow, little grass, little tree. No, it was all there. What do we learn from this? That every single person has crazy potential. Everybody. Everybody's born with unbelievable potential. And it's underneath, and it's ready, it's ready to fly, ready to go. But you have to connect to our Kodesh Baruch Hu. And you have to daven. And you have to have a connection. Just like over here, it was all ready to go. But until Adam said, Hashem, please give me rain, it, the potential of the world did not happen. So every single person has the same thing. We all have potential, but we don't connect. With our Kodesh Baruch, we don't dive into our Baruch, we don't talk to our Kodesh Baruch. Potential stays inside. I'm just speaking Shavuos, I was speaking before Shavuos. I'm totally outspoken. Well, I'm known to be outspoken anyway. A person wakes up in the morning, and Nachman Rebrezov says something amazing. He says that there's nothing in this world that's extra. The Gemara talks about that there's no blade of grass. You go outside, you see all those blades of grass. There's not one extra blade of grass. There's not one extra mosquito. There's not one extra anything that's created by Hashem. Nothing. Hashem gives exactly what the world needs. He said something very beautiful that all the girls in this room need to remember. 
In fact, as the story brought down, there were two tzaddikim, they were learning that there's nothing extra in this world, and a leaf fell off a tree, and the tzaddik said, oh, you see, it's extra, it fell off the tree. It's not connected anymore. It's extra. She said, let's go look what's underneath the true story. Let's go look what's underneath the leaf. It was a very hot day, and the sun was beating down, and he picked up the leaf, and there was a little inchworm that was dying, that was drying up. And the leaf, Hakashbachu, put on the interim so it shouldn't die. Nothing extra in this world. Therefore, don't ever try to copy someone else. Because the whole basis of jealousy, first of all, is not having our car sato, but also you're making yourself extra. Because if I want to be like her, and her is already existing, then I'm extra. Individuality, being me, makes me not extra. So like Sachmod, not to be jealous of someone else, because if I want to be, I want to be her, well then, there is a her, you don't need me. That's why it says in Mishnah, Pekei Avos, that Kina and Taiva, Motzin Asa Adam and Oilam. It's a very interesting word, Motzin Asa Oilam. Kina, jealousy, takes you out of the world. It's a very different way of saying you're going to die take you out of the world? And the answer is yes. Kina, if you're jealous of someone, then you don't belong in the world because you became extra. You don't have that individuality. Hashem specifically made the human being individual. That's why everyone in this room has a different fingerprint. You're not the same as another person. Everyone has a different, even twins have different fingerprints. What that shit has, no, has nothing else to do with your mind? Put up your hands. Let's do swirls. Like, hello. Why do I need to have fingerprints? Because Hashem wants everyone in this room to know that you are different. And that's what makes you an individual. Another Mishnah Perkevos. Mishnah Perkevos says that everyone is created in the image of God. I look like God. How am I created in the image of Hashem? I'm a human being. Does he have a nose? Does he have two eyes? Does he have blonde hair, red hair, black hair? Does he have hair? So a tselem is a shadow. A shadow always takes the shape of the object it's shadowing. If you have a ball and there's a shadow of the ball, it is impossible for the shadow to be square. It has to be round. So there's something, girls, there's something about Hashem that each one of us shadows. Did you ever learn this, Mishnah? Do you know that we created B'Shalom Aleichem? I'm sure you learned that. Did you ever ask, what does that mean? What does that mean? I'm created with Selim Elohim. So one of the answers is that Hashem does chesed. But chesed is a midah, not a shadow. So what does that mean? We're learning this. We walk around. I've created in the image of God. What does it mean? What's your first name, please? Zohar. Zohar. Okay. Well, you didn't do anything wrong. No. <laughs> like, what I do? Listen to this, amazing. At the same time, it's the greatest compliment. It gives you the greatest O, yoke, on what you need to, where you need to be. 
Shema Yisrael, listen Yisrael. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem is our God, Hashem Echad, He is oneness. There's a oneness about God. There's only one Hashem. Even though Hashem is Elokeinu, Din and Rachamim, when it comes to who Hashem is, He's Rachamim, He's Yudke Vavke Echad. So right now I can tell you, Shema Yisrael, Devora Echad. What's your last name? Levit. Levit. There's only one of her. There'll never be another one of her. I told that to my mother. My mother said, "Thank God, there's only one. There'll, there'll never be another one of you." <laughs> there's only one of you, and there'll never be another one. But Rabbi Wallace, the Gilgal, no Gilgal. Moshe Rabbeinu was a giggle of Hevel, but he wasn't Hevel. He had certain DNA, spiritual DNA, from Noah, from Hevel, but he wasn't Hevel, he was Moshe Rabbeinu. So even a Gilgal is just a mixture, but the person will never be replaced. And there'll never be another Devorah, and there never was a Devorah, so that she has godliness. Because just like there's only one God, there's only one Devorah. That's the shadow, that's the image of Hashem that we have. Now that is amazing, because fish have a school of fish. And animals have herds. Humans are individuals. And there'll never be another one of you. And that's godliness. At the same time, if you mess up, if you mess up, nobody can fix it for you. That's it. It's you. The that you're going to get in the oinish, whatever it is, it's you. It's like, no, I'll come back next time. That's a different person. But at the same time, it's like, wow. And that's why the Torah, the, the basis of Lashon Hara, the basis of being a kafei toy but not appreciating, the basis is that you're not an individual. I don't like her. Because she has this and she has that, and I don't have this and I don't have that. You're not supposed to. You're an individual. You look different. No two people, no two people look alike. It's fine. That's crazy. Because we all have a nose and two eyes, and lips, and a mouth, and Hashem took all the, we all have the same parts. We're all the same parts, if you think about that, and no one looks alike. Exactly alike. People look alike, brothers and sisters, but no one looks exactly, why, why? It's all the same parts. How could you have a nose, and two eyes, and ears, and hair, and and a forehead, and all the, a head, and Billions of people, same parts. Everybody looks different. The Shem is trying to make a point, girls, that you are different, and each one of you is an individual, and each one of you is not extra. So Nachman says, being that there's nothing extra, not a blade of grass, if you woke up this morning, it means... You're not extra. A lot of people died last night in the world. 
A lot of people didn't wake up. Because their time was to go to that, and the world didn't need them anymore. If the world needed them, and Hashem felt they needed to be here, they would be here. For whatever reason, Hashem has his cheshbon. But you woke up this morning. Most of you look like you did anyway. You woke up this morning. So if you woke up this morning, Hashem is telling you, that's why you say modani, before you go to the bathroom, before you wash your teeth, before you, your mouth stinks, you, 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 you look, who knows, like what, whatever, you didn't wash up yet, and why, you, you're talking to the king? Talking to the king? You woke up, you're talking to the king? Go to the bathroom, maybe take the shower first, you know? Wash up, wash your mouth out, do a little Listerine, brush your teeth, and then say modani. No. No. The minute you open your eyes, you're thanking Hashem. I'm not extra. You need me in the world today. I woke up. Wow. How could you be depressed? How could someone be depressed? I woke up this morning and Hashem said, Zechariah Wallerstein, I need you today. I don't know tomorrow. I hope, I, I, hope I, I hope it needs me tomorrow. I don't know. No guarantees. So all of you woke up this morning and you're like, oh, this is wrong and this is wrong and that is wrong. The king said, what's wrong? I need you. Miriam, Chaya, I don't know the names here, Devorah, I need you in my world. Now you got to go look in the mirror and say, why? Why do you need me? And at night, before you go to sleep, good choice, Hashem. I made someone smile. I helped a girl that was in pain. I helped my mother, I did admit so I said, Baruch Hashem, I was able to bless you, Hashem. I'm a worm, I'm a piece of dirt, and I am telling the king, you should be blessed. That's like my goldfish on my way out the door saying, have a good day, Wallerstein. <laughs> goldfish, stay in your water and be quiet. To Hashem, we're not even a goldfish. And Hashem says, Kavari, Miriam, Chaya, I need a blessing from you. Holy moly, you should be jumping on your mattress, going crazy. The king of the world needs a bracha from me? I'm much more than I think I am. But we don't think about that. Another bracha? Another bracha? I don't want a bench. I know I, you know, I deal with a lot of girls. I'm like, why don't you wash? Then I got a bench. <laughs> I'm on a bench. Like, burning flush is about as far as I can go. Even Alamich I don't want. How many times I hear that? I don't want a bench. Benching? Look at the bench and what you're telling Hashem. So this is what he said from Nachman. But you got to be able to go to sleep at night and say, good choice, I did something good. Now I know why you needed me in the world because... You needed me to make this other person happy. I'll tell you a crazy story. It just happened not that long ago. So with the COVID thing, my shul was like closed and they had a tent in the back and you had to wear a mask and they got some ISIS and you could only dive it in the tent. And it happens to be that sitting next to me in the tent, who I know very well, is a 96-year-old man who went through the Holocaust. With his wife, she's 95. They're both alive. It's amazing. And he is about Tfilah, the Chazin, from Musaf, which is Shani Yom Kippur. And Kippur, this 96-year-old man, he's about Tfilah, stood on his feet for hours. Do you know who he is? Oh, I don't know who he is. Okay. Anyway, so 
I'm sitting next to him. I love to talk to, I talk a lot, try to, to Holocaust survivors, because I deal with a lot of girls and boys who go through trauma, and nobody went through more trauma than the Holocaust. And I'm like, how did you make it through this? Because if I could understand how they continued to live, got married, had children, have grandchildren, and didn't give up, then maybe I could use that same koyak, that same thinking process, that same power, maybe I could use that to help the kids that I'm dealing with. So I like to talk to the ones that came out of it, stayed religious, and stayed close to Hashem. Who went through more trauma than they did? So I'm sitting next to him after davening, and I said, tell me a little bit, you in the, I know you were in the Holocaust, I know, he said, yeah, it was, in, uh, it was in Auschwitz, and he said, you know, we didn't know in Auschwitz that six million Jews died, we didn't know, we thought just in, in the concentration camp people were dying, they had no radios, they didn't know what was going on, he said, we didn't even know, and then when I came out, he said, I went to my town, I thought that my mother, my father, my cousins, my brothers, I didn't see them die, I thought they would come back, so I came to my town and I waited for two weeks, and I waited for three weeks, Nobody came back. Town was wiped out. Nobody. Not his Rebbe, not his friend. Nobody. Shul was burnt. Nothing. He went to a DP camp. And that's where they were talking. Oh, you're from Poland? Wiped out. Hungry? Wiped out. We're like, what? And then, you know, they started hearing. Three million, four million, five million, six million Jews. They didn't know. So I said to them, I want you to tell me the truth. I promise you, Rabbi Wallstein's not going off the derech. I'm not going, no matter what you're going to answer me, I'm not going off the derech. I said, come on. Did you have any questions, question? I said, but if you did, it's fine. You can tell me. I understand it. I'm not, I'm not going off the derech. He looks at me as he's crystal clear blue eyes, 96 years old. He says, Rabbi Wallerstein, you want to know the MS? I'm like, I only want the MS. I had one big question. I'm like, oh, the guy's normal. How do you go through a Holocaust, lose everybody, not have a question? I said, would you share with me, would you share with me the question? He says, yeah. So what was the question? He said, I looked up at Shemayim in the DP camp one night when I was by myself. He said, Hashem, I don't understand. I'm not such a good guy. Why did you keep me alive from all those people? Not, why did six million Jews die? No. I cross the type. No questions on what Hashem does. But why me? So many good people died. I'm not such a good guy. I was shocked. I didn't expect that. I expected the other way around. Like, how could Hashem turn his face? And I expect him to, you know. But then he went ahead and he said something amazing. He said, but Rabbi Wallerstein, that night when I looked up at the stars and I asked the question, I said, Hashem, I don't know why you saved me. But I promise you that after 120 years when I come to Shemayim, you're going to see you made the right choice. And then he started going into his whole family. I have a great-grandchild in Yeshiva Smir. Two of my sons are Rebbeim. This guy's in Kailel. And he's just reading off all his pride. And he says, I'm 96 years old. 
according to the Torah, I only have 24 years left. And he probably will make it. He says, I'm going to stand in front of the Kodesh Baruch and tell him, I don't know about the other people. Look what I did. Look what I did in this world. You made the right choice. Every single morning, every girl in this room, I hope, says to Hashem, She'osani kirtsono, you made the right choice. I am doing your will. Are you? Is that a bracha levatolo or is that a good bracha? What did you do the night before? Were you looking at something you shouldn't? Then how can you say I did the, I'm, I am your choice? So the most important thing is that when you go to sleep at night, you can turn to Hashem the way this Holocaust survivor and say, I don't know why a lot of people died last night. I'm not asking those questions. But I guarantee you that I woke up this morning, Hashem, you made the right choice. Because, blank, 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 whatever, it, whatever your answer is. I dive in, I made a bracha, I helped my mother, whatever it is. That's, a, that's probably every single girl on her own, why Hashem made the right choice. But if you woke up in the morning, that means he made a good, he made the choice. The question is, did you live up to that choice? What a lesson I learned from this man. I was expecting, like, why'd you, why'd you kill six million Jews? We have that every single day, everybody here. And Hashem says, the potential of the world is not going to happen till an Adam, a person, prays to me. And I might give you something that you're going to need, like rain. That's why I called the book, Let There Be Rain. And then the whole world showed up. The biggest of is not to be grateful. To be an ingrate. I just went through this. I'm sure this has nothing to do with any girls here. Um, a mother and a girl brought her daughter to talk to me in my office. And this girl was cursing her mother in front of me. Terrible language, cursing her mother in front of me. And the mother turned to her and said, you know, if you don't want to have kibbutz of end, that's one thing. But where's your karsatov? So the girl said, for what? And her mother said, we just bought you for your 17th birthday a new Volvo. My father for my 17th birthday bought me a pair of roller skates. <laughs> With an extra wheel on the side. You know what this girl answered her mother? I'm sitting there, right? She goes, big... I don't want to use the next word. Deal. It's your job to buy me for my birthday a car. I said, it's your job? I didn't know your mother was working for you. That's an ingrate. That's the worst mida that exists. That's like telling your mother when you come home, I don't have to thank you for supper, ma. That's your job. Dad, I don't got to thank you that you gave me an allowance or you bought me something. That's your job. That's a coffee type. Now let me tell you how much Hashem hates a person. That's a coffee type. So when, when Adam ate from the tree, 
So Akash Baruch Hu said, where are you? It's very interesting. It's not the Kanaik Shir, but when I give, when I talk about Chinuch Shir to parents and to teachers, Hashem never, ever accused Adam of anything. Of course, he was God and he knew everything, but he comes to, to, to him and he says, Ayaka, where are you? You know where he is. You're sh-. He should have said, yeah, that's not Hashem. Hashem knows where I am, right? Hey, where are you? So he said, oh, I heard your voice by God. And I realized I'm not dressed. Really? Said Hashem. Me, he did Who told you you're not dressed? I'm just playing a game with him. So, I'm hiding. Because Hashem doesn't accuse. He lets you admit what you did wrong because if I tell you what you did wrong, I own it. If you tell me what you did wrong, you own it. And this is continuously like this. You see it by Cain and Havel. By Cain and Havel, Hashem asked him, where's your brother? He knew where his brother was. He said, do I watch my brother? He said, I don't know, I hear some blood from the, from the ground. So he doesn't accuse. Hashem doesn't accuse. So he goes to, he goes to, um, to Adam. Now listen carefully to what Adam, what Adam answers. And Adam says, That lady, that you gave me, he now shall leave an She gave me from the, from the tree to eat. Well, that's not what he should have said. He should have just said, Chava gave me to eat from the tree. But he blamed it on Hashem. It's your fault. You gave me that girl. You messed up, Hashem. It's your fault. It's like you give a kid ice cream, and he takes the ice cream, and he smears it all over his shirt. And the mother says, what did you do? Now you're full of strawberry... Chocolate ice cream. He says, Ma, it's your fault. Well, my fault. I, didn't, I wasn't even near you. Yeah, but if you wouldn't have bought me the ice cream, I couldn't have put it on my shirt. That's an ingrate. That's a person. You give him an ice cream, and then they blame you for it. So he did the same thing. He was lonely because every animal had a, had a partner. And Hashem saw that he was by himself. He had no partners. And therefore, Hashem made him a woman. And he takes this woman, throws it back in Hashem's face. You, it's your fault. You gave me this lady. Listen to Rashi. And Rashi says, that was the wrong answer. Pasigud Beis. Rashi says, Asher asnasati imadi, kan here, kaifa betoiva. Here he was kaifa and good, and that is why he got punished. What was his punishment? Punishment was, no longer will the food just grow. Being that you're an ingrate anyway, and you have no thanks anyway, you go work, break your back. If you don't appreciate what I did for you, you're an ingrate, so your curse is that you're gonna sweat, and you're gonna work very hard. He got punished right away. And Hashem taught him a lesson. You have to appreciate everything. Right after this, right after this, Hashem asks him to give her a name. Give your, your wife doesn't have a name. Give her a name. By Adam Shem Ishtoi, he names his wife Chava. Kihi Kochai. He names her Chava because she was the mother of all life. But girl, she wasn't the mother of all life. She was the mother of all death. She brought death into the world. She actually brought death to him. If she wouldn't have given him from the tree, men would live forever. 
different Rashi, why she came from the tree, she knew she was killing him. Rashi said that she was jealous that he would live forever and she wouldn't. Why? Shema Yisa Cheres. That if, if I die and he lives, he's going to marry someone else. She was jealous that he's going to marry someone else. Ask Hazal, there was no other woman. What are you worried about? You're killing him because he's going to live, you're going to die, he's going to find another lady. There was no other lady. So Hazal says when it comes to jealousy, it never makes sense. You want that other person's car, but you're 15 years old, you don't even have a license yet. But I would love to have a car like that, but you don't drive. Doesn't matter. One day. Jealousy doesn't make sense. So now Hashem says, give her a name. If I were to give her a name, she, she killed me by giving me to eat the and all my children, I would have called her, I would have given her two names. Misa Mishunah. Not Chava! What, what is he saying? She's not the mother of all life. She's the mother of all death. Because Adam heard the curse that Chava got. That you're going to go through life as a woman and every month you're going to be in pain and then you're going to have a child and you're going to be in even more pain and it's going to be very painful. And Adam heard that. And Adam said, oh, oh, oh. I'll go to work. I'll take that curse. But his wife now is the one that's going to give birth to all the children and she's going to go through a lot of struggles having children. So you know what he said? I'm not focusing that she brought Misa into the world because that would be an ingrate. I'm going to show Hashem that I learned a great lesson. I'm going to show Hashem that I'm going to focus on the positive. The positive is that she's going to be the mommy. She named the Chava. He learned his lesson. It says Hashem. Next Pasuk. Oh... You have a curse at Tov. Vayas Hashem alekim la'adam l'ishnai Kosnas ar vayabishem Hashem said, I punished you. Right? You don't have any clothing. I'm going to make you clothing. Not only going to make you special clothing, but vayabishem, he dressed them. Hashem said, okay, here's your clothing. Go put it on. No. Hashem put the clothing on her. And since that day, the rest of the world is trying to take the clothing off. God said, the most godliness thing in the world is, I'm going to make you clothing and I'm going to clothe you. And the Satan who's on the other side said, I'm going to take the kasnas or off you. And it's very fascinating because the only word, letter in the Torah that's going to be changed by Mashiach is the word or. Kasnas or with an ayin means leather clothing. When Mashiach comes, there's going to be a light around every single person that's going to close them. So in the Torah, that letter, according to Rabbi that letter is going to be changed. So the whole basis of the beginning of this whole Torah is gratitude. And that's why it's called Let There Be Rain. So I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you a story. Before I tell you the story, I want to tell you a fascinating, just to show you. Human beings have to have a car set. So look at, look at Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was not allowed to hit the water. Right? So by Dam, Fadea, Aaron did it. Girls, does water have feelings? Oh my gosh, I'm in big trouble. Because when I was a little boy and I sat in the bathtub, I was splashing a lot. So I wasn't allowed to hit the water. Water has no feelings. Water has no feelings. 
I wasn't allowed to hit the sand because it swallowed up the mitri by Kenan. Sand has no feelings. Why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu hit the wood? Because it's not about the wood. It's not about the other person when you say thank you. When you say thank you to another person, you go, oh, I did her a favor, I said thank you. No, it's for you. So when Moshe Rabbeinu would hit something that saved him, it would take a little part of his Hakar Satov away, therefore he can't hit the water. And the water didn't save him. The water didn't do a miracle. His mother put him in a waterproof boat. So the boat did what it's supposed to. It floated. Big deal. The water didn't do a miracle for him. It was, it was nature. I know, but I was in a boat, and I was in the water, and the water was there for me. It has no feelings. Didn't do anything special. But if I hit the water, it's just going to take a little bit of a cross that throws away from me. I can't hit the water. You can't hit the water, but you can say something nasty to your mother or father. The water has no feelings and you can't hit it, but to a, a human being who's there for you, and I know a lot of people, like my mother, she's dysfunctional, my father, all that. he's not so nice, this one's not so good. This one. Every single parent diapered you. And let me tell you, it's not fun. I don't diaper any kids but my own. If someone would be like, could you diaper my son, my, my kid? I'll be like, no, that smells. <laughs> but you diapered your kids every day. Didn't smell. My kid. So everyone in this room, your parents diapered you. They burped you at two in the morning. You know what that is? After a hard day work, you're working and you're like, okay, I just gave the body. Go, you got to go burp her. And you're like, burp, burp. <laughs> And then you try the up and down thing, and then another thing, the poor kid's getting beat, and she's thinking like, why are you banging on my back all the time? You know, so keep going, nah. you're like, great, let's go to sleep. <laughs> but every time you had a little fever, parents took you to the doctor, and they made you breakfast, and they took you to school. So even if later on you think, because all teenagers think that something happened to their parents, they just went off the derrick because when they were a little kid, they were great, but all of a sudden I'm a teenager, they're not great anymore. I don't think it's the parents, I think it's the teenagers, but whatever. Just remember that at a certain point in your life, for sure, they were there for you. So where's your cross of for that? You have to have a cross of for water and sand? What about mommy and Tati? What about a teacher? What about someone who helped you? Water and sand, yes? Human being, no? And you say, oh, she never did anything special for me. The water never did anything special So much should I be in we still couldn't hit it, couldn't hurt it. Are we careful not to hurt our parents? So that's why I wrote a second book. I'm not telling you to learn it yet. Honor them, revere them. My second book was based on the first book. Second Sefer is about Kibbutz of Ain. And it's a funny thing, the first book sold 16,000 copies. Let there be rain. The second one on Kibbutz of Ain sold five and a half thousand. I asked Archibald why? Why did the first book go crazy and the second book he said, no kids are buying it, only the parents are buying it. <laughs> so the parents are buying it and giving it to the kid. I think you should read this. The kids are like, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to read that book. I don't want to know. Give it a vein. It's on the side of the luchos that's been Adam Lamakom, not been Adam Lachavero. And you know where it is? It's the fifth one. It's the foundation of a nation Hashem. 
Because if you can't, if you can't have appreciation to your parents who are there and they're alive, how can you have appreciation for Hashem when you don't see? So Hashem knows if you don't have kibbutz bein, you're not going to have anoichid wa'yia. Not happening. So it's not in the it's not bein al where you think it would be. It's in bein al makom. People who have good relations with their parents have good relationships with God. But if you can't, if you fail in your first relationship in life, which is your parents, you're probably going to fail in a lot of other relationships. You got to work on it. And if the parents are not so easy, and if they're dysfunctional, okay. But I got to focus on the good that they do for me. Do I have to sit there and get abused? No, chas v'shalom. We wrote the safer. Get out of the house. Go wherever you have to. There's no mystery in kibbutz vein. But you can't answer back ever. You can't raise your voice ever. Run out of the house if you have to. But you can't answer back. You definitely, you can't even agree, according to the Shulchan Aruch. Your mother says something you're like, you know you're right. That's a big Azera in Kibbutz Avain. Because you're saying to your mother, you need me to say you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's why no one's buying the book. <laughs> and every time they walk in the room, we all think it's Fardim. Allah in the Magen Avram is you have to get up. Your parents walk in the room, you have to stand up. Oh my gosh, Rabbi Walsh, what are you talking about? Far them do that. Ashkenazim don't do that. And of course, they keep walking into the room. You're getting up and down like crazy. So it says they can be Michael. They can tell you, okay, just once. We don't have to get up every time. Yeah, keep it of the aim is the basis of Hakar Based on Hakar I want to tell you something that that's in the Sefer Shmuel. What then the Ma'amloy show you how far Hakar goes. What time are we supposed to be finished? Eight fifteen. How long? How short? Are we done? Are we over? You have to tell me. Because I can stand it for 12. <laughs> you got to let me know. All right, listen to this. Governor Mel comes to Goliath, and he's got five stones in a slingshot. Has it hit it? Goliath doesn't see it. Goliath just sees a stick. He takes his stones. There's a problem. Goliath's helmet is made out of metal, extremely thick. There's no way that a stone is going to go through that helmet. No way. So David, David. And he makes a deal. Listen carefully. He threw it, and the stone went into the brain of the plishti. He used the slingshot. But it doesn't make sense. He was wearing a helmet that no way in Teva a stone could go through. There was made out of copper. Because of that, Zoycha, Shoisin Sakin Mila Babazo, I'm explaining to you the whole thing. Shanachoshes Lora Tolibaka. The metal helmet said, I'm not opening, I'm not splitting to let the rock go through and kill him. Oz Amaleha Evan. So the stone said to the Copper stone, mouth of the stone, going to the mouth of the copper in the helmet, and he said, "Habaka lefanai, open up, ubeschazeh, and that's ha yimayla meatav." From now on, brismila will be done the barzel with metal. Let me tell you what happened here. So the mela threw a stone. The stone is going towards the helmet. There's no way it's going through that helmet. Stone says to the helmet, "Listen." You split open so I can go through it to his brain. I'll make you a deal. Akaras had told that you're doing this. 
from now on until that time, we know from uh, we know from Tzipora when she did the bris mila on on, um, on Moshe's two children, it said the yikat tsar. So they usually do a bris mila with a very sharp stone. They didn't use metal. So here, the stone tells the metal, "I will give up being the the invul the the the, the 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 knife made out of stone till now for bris mila. I will give it up to you." Because you're doing this for me, and from now on, Kleisel will never use a stone knife anymore. Giving up Mila. And the helmet said, you got a deal. And it opened up, and he died. You're talking about metal, and stone talking to each other, not humans. And he understood to say, well, if you do this for me, I have a curse I told to you, I'm giving up Mila. I, 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 Oh, the mouth giving up Mila? I'm giving up Mila. You got Mila from now on. Appreciation. Do we have five more minutes? Yeah. Mara? Okay. I want to tell you a story. We'll end with this. Some of you listen to my shroom. You might know it. But it's in person. It's a little different. And my stories change every time I say it. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Someone asked me, are all your stories true? I said, if you believe them, they're true. So, <laughs> so there was this blind woman married to this blind guy, so she thought. And they heard on the radio that there's a big doctor that just came out that he can do an eye transplant. Do a heart transplant, do a kidney transplant, do a lung transplant. So right now, right now, they can still they can do a cornea transplant, they can do a retina transplant, they do that today. But this doctor can do an eye transplant. So his wife, was, who never, who was always blind, who never saw, she was so excited, and she says to him, "There's an 800 number on the radio. Call it." So of course he wants to call. And he's also right, and he calls it up. Hi, I just heard your advertisement. Oh, we must pull that advertisement off the radio. He says, "Why?" She says, we have so many phone calls that even if we get a lot of people to donate their eyes after they die, it's going to be at least 14 to 15 years before we can do a transplant. He only does one a week. Okay? What are you going to do? He said, okay, can I leave my number? Yeah, sure, leave your number. They're very broken. Another 15 years. Oh, my God. So... Two weeks later, he comes home screaming. Miriam, you're not going to believe it. What, what? They called me back. Who? The, the, the eye transplant. Really? Yeah. I don't know how it worked. Maybe someone made a phone call. Maybe the rabbi of the shul. I don't know, but you're in. In two weeks. You're up. She says, what? She says, yeah, you're up. Okay, two weeks later, we go to the hospital, it goes into an eight-hour operation, and the eye transplant is done. And he's there, they wheel her out, of course she has patches on her eyes, and it takes a week, they start taking off the patches, she sees a little bit light, she sees a little bit more. First time she ever saw her husband, she didn't know what he looked like, first time, wow. She's like, wow, I just want to, I want to thank you that you that you let me get the eyes and you know, because you could have gotten them and that you gave them to me. He goes, no, I'm fine. 
fine. I want you. If I got the eyes, I could see you, but now you can see me. She goes back home. She sees. She, she works. She's working in a job for many years. And the, the guy who runs the company, very rich, very suave, suave, very good looking. And she, she can now see, she sees him and he goes over to him and says, listen, you're a good wife. I'm sure you're a good wife. But if you get divorced and marry me, I will take you across the world. You haven't seen anything. I will take you to South America. I will take you to the Alaska, to the mountains. You will see to Switzerland. It'll be amazing. We'll go to the Amazon rainforest. I will fly together. You gave enough of your time to your husband, but now you, now you can see and he can't. What are you gonna do with him? He can't do anything. Oh, I'm married, I'm married. And he works on her and he works on her and he works on her. So finally, she's like, you know what? I have a right to live life. I have a right to see the world. I'm going to get divorced. So she calls him up. Her husband's name was Chaim. Chaim! What's doing? What's doing, Miriam? What's going on? I need to talk to you. Okay, come home and talk to me. No, I got to talk to you on the phone. So, okay, what's going on? She said, you know, I got that eye transplant and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I really want to see the world. And we're very poor. And you're never going to see at least for 15 more years. So, I want a divorce. What? Who, who, who are you going with? You know, you know, the guy who owns the company, we became very friendly. If he really loved me, he'd want me to do this. He'd want me to see the world. And the guy's in like total shock. And she says, time, one more thing. I'm gonna come home tomorrow night. Please have all your stuff out of the house. And he's just like, in shock. Well, you know I love you. If that's what you want, if that's what you want, I understand you, I'll be out of the house. Okay? Next day, she comes home, not a shirt, not a sock, hangers, everything's empty. The house is empty. He took all her stuff out. And on the bed is an envelope with a letter. I should have brought it with me, but I came from Borough Park, I didn't go home. I have the letter. And the letter says the following. Dear Miriam, you know I love you more than anything else in the world. You know that this is the hardest time of my life. But Miriam, I want to ask you one favor, and just one favor. Be careful, take care of my beautiful two eyes that I gave to you. What? Yeah, you see, he was never born. 
He says, oh my gosh. I have his eyes and I'm leaving him. I don't know the end of the story, but I think she left him. Terrible story, Robert Wallace. Why did you have to? You were going so good. You were going so good. You just should have left us with a, with a, you know, a karasato. Now I'm not going to sleep tonight. I hate to say this, but we're just as bad as her. We're no better. We're all Miriam. Why? Because every morning we say, Elokai God. Chaim. Neshama Shinasatavi. The neshama that you gave me, the eyes that you gave me, the neshama that you gave me. Tahirahi, it's pure. Atabarasa, they're your eyes, Hashem. You created them. Atayitzate, you formed them. Atanafachta me. You put the neshama in me. It's part of you. Atamashabakirbi, and you watch it inside of me. Atayitzate, let me many. One day you're going to take it away from me. But you're going to give it back. Not like her. You're going to give it back. But I promise you, Hashem, every morning, as long as that soul is in me, I thank you. So every single day, girls, Hashem gives us His eyes, His ears, His life. And He gives, his, he gives us our five senses, right? Touch, see, smell. Here, five senses, all of us. He gives us the five senses to look at him. Chaim gave Miriam his eyes so she could look at him. Not at the guy who owns the company. Not at Mount Everest. Not at South Africa. So she could see him. And now she's divorcing and using his eyes to see everything but him. Girls, is that what we're doing? Are we using our eyes to see Hashem? Or our smartphones? And our movies? And our WhatsApps? And all the other garbage that's online? And Hashem's like, I gave you eyes to see me! To see things that grow! To see in the spiral what you're reading! To see each other! And you're using my eyes! To see the Satan. To see all that stuff. I gave you ears to listen to good Jewish music, to each other, to your teachers, to your parents. What are you listening to? Jewish music? You're hopping and bopping? With your ear pads, your ear pods? Is that why Hashem gave us ears? Are we better than Miriam? Are we using the ears for him? Is that why he gave us touch? Is that why he gave us smell? Is that why he gave us a mouth to talk? Lashihara? Are we better than Miriam? So when you wake up in the morning and you thank Hashem for the 
senses that he gives you. I never leave my house in the morning. I stand by the mezuzah every single morning. Cold, snow, doesn't make a difference. I stand by the door and I close my eyes every day. And I put my hand on the mezuzah. Sometimes it's ice cold, sometimes it's hot, depending, like today was hot. And I say, Hashem, with my eyes closed, Hashem, I thank you that I could feel because your fingertips are computers. I could ask every girl in this room to close your eyes, give you a spoon, you'll feel it, you tell me it's a spoon. Give you a book, you tell me it's a book. Your fingers have brains. They send messages. Hot, cold, soft, hard, shape, never. Someone has a stroke and they can't feel. So I say, Hashem, thank you that I could feel the mezuzah. Thank you that I could smell. All the people in COVID that lost their smell, they're going crazy. If you don't smell, you can't taste. Thank you that I could smell. And sometimes I could smell the garbage man at the garbage truck, so I know not to step out in the street at that moment. Hashem, thank you that I could taste. Had a coffee, my gosh. In the coffee, it's bitter. But then it's sweet because of the sugar. And then the milk. My tongue is able to differentiate all the taste. You eat something, has spices. Oh, wow, you put so much pepper in. You put your... It's amazing. It's a brain. It's a brain. It can taste a million different tastes. Thank you, Hashem, that I could taste. Thank you, Hashem, that I could speak. Thank you, Hashem, that I could hear. Thank you, Hashem, that I could smell, that I could touch. And then the last one I do, when my eyes are closed, is I hope I'm not blind. I really hope I'm not blind, that when I open my eyes, I'll be able to see. Thank you, Hashem. I can't imagine living in a world of darkness. Thank you, Hashem, that I can see colors separate. Wow! I don't leave my house without it. And then I have a little mint plant and a little lemongrass plant, and I crush them, and I smell them, and I make a bracha every single day. I am not going to use my eyes to look at the Satan's world. I'm not going to cheat on God. I'm not going to be Miriam. I'm going to say a kind of Shama every morning, and I'm going to thank you for giving me a pure Neshama. I'm not going to mess it up. I'm going to try not. That's how Karasa told, by the way, every single day to Hashem. And the greatest Akarasatov is that you woke up this morning, Hashem, life is what? Life is potential. Life is time. Time is potential. If you didn't get up in the morning, you have zero potential. You can't, what are you going to do? You got up in the morning, oh my gosh. One smile can save a person's life. You don't even know. So everyone tonight, or at least by tomorrow night, before you go to sleep, say thank you, Hashem, for choosing me. And I hope you chose right because this is what I did today, Hashem. And then you'll like that Holocaust survivor. And you'll live till 120 because Hashem likes to hear Akar Satov. Thank you very much. And thank you for learning my cipher. I really appreciate it. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.